you're just in, in a position to hire people. You are directly in charge and responsible for whether the quote unquote American dream of upward mobility remains a reality for people. While many Americans cherish the idea of the truly self-made man or woman, when it comes time to hire, an elite pedigree often wins the day. But why? What prevents us from valuing more highly those who manage to make the leap from one social class to another? And more importantly, what are we missing when we favor the well-born and the well-credentialed? Sean Martin, a professor at the University of Virginia Darden School of Business, is an expert in leadership, social class, and ethics. His most recent research has taken up this very issue, looking into what social class transitioners bring to the workplace. His view, which we'll explore now, is that we're probably hiring the wrong people. I'm Sean Carr, and this is Darden Ideas to Action. Welcome, Sean. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. This is really fun. I appreciate it. Rags to riches. It's an essential part of the American story. As a culture, we deeply value the opportunity for advancement. Isn't that right? It's certainly part of our cultural fabric. Is all the way, Going all the way back to Benjamin Franklin, when he was a young man, made money by taking old rags around Philadelphia, where he was growing up, and turned them into paper, which he would then sell, and tried to be the self-made person, and created this whole ideology of lifting yourself up by your bootstraps. But honestly... From what I see, we're not doing a great job in our professional organizations of welcoming the people who have been able to move up. And a lot of our institutions bias against people who've made that transition in ways that they often don't intend. I think they're losing a lot of value and a lot of opportunity by filtering out people who've made that transition. Talk about that kind of jump. What are you, t- what are you seeing and what are you, what are you talking about? The people who move from a lower social class to a higher one develop an incredibly useful toolkit and an incredibly useful set of skills that like organizations would find unbelievably valuable if we're able to try to capture that value. Um, but unfortunately, some of the practices that we currently have don't allow us to capture that value. And I, w- I think we can do a better job at that. You mentioned toolkit. What's yeah. inside that toolkit? People who've gone from one social class to another, up or down, essentially have learned to be, to some extent, multicultural and have learned how to blend in, have learned how to use these cultural toolkits, all the cultural information that they acquire, to relate to people in different ways. They might be the people who are better able to relate to people because they understand a more varied and different way of living that different people in that organization might have experienced. And they can translate things across uh, across boundaries, you know, social boundaries. What do they bring to the table that most people might not uh, appreciate at first? People who are in more resource-deprived environments, like lower social class positions, where they maybe don't have the same levels of education, same amount of financial resources, they don't work in highly prestigious jobs, they tend to prioritize things like interdependence. They value their community at an incredibly high level. So I think people who come from lower social class backgrounds who move up are the people who can, uh, who are more likely to prioritize others, um, prioritize interdependence, prioritize things like, 
inclusiveness at a very, very high level because they've learned at a very young age the value of those things. And people who come from lower social class backgrounds, because they require good relationships in their community, are often very, very good at identifying the different emotions that are present in a room and not overlooking them and using those as information to be able to check in with people. Are you okay? You know, you don't seem like you maybe are on board with this decision that we're all making. Can I hear your thoughts as to why? Or like, boy, you seem really excited about this. Is this the way that you wanted things to go? They're able to pull out that emotional information at a very high level. It's a great skill. Why do people who have made this jump and made their, even way, made their way into an organization, why do they tend to get overlooked? This is a, a question we don't really have a, an answer for yet. If people are hiring managers and they see this incredible value in people who've been upwardly mobile, then why are we not hiring them? Is it because we don't think they'll fit in? Is that the only reason? Or do we think that we need to be able to justify our hiring decision to people who are higher up than us? Person who you know might have gone to a lower ranked undergraduate institution or might have gone to a, uh, a, a lower high school or maybe you know didn't have the same volunteer activities or wasn't able to, didn't have the same internships. That's harder for us to defend to somebody if we're put on the spot. And the way that I'm trying to tip that calculus is pointing out, look at the unbelievable skills and abilities that we are losing by not giving these people a shot. Major companies have had diversity initiatives yeah. of one form or another for decades. Right. Um, but uh, it's usually on a number of what we would call conventional diversity dimensions. Right. But I have a hunch that social class and social class transition probably doesn't play into that in an overt sense. And the traditional diversity categories that people focus on tend to be race and gender. And that's completely understandable, by the way. They're the most visible. Right? They're, like, they're the things that we can pick up on relatively easily. Right? And they are very important. But by the way, they also are strongly correlated with social class. But Social class tends to be a bit more hidden. It's a little bit harder to spot. The evidence that we have suggests that even companies with diversity initiatives still engage in the practice that we discussed of like distinguishing on eliteness of pedigree. You know, and so we, we are, we're still missing out on this, this really important component. People in positions of power uh, within organizations, um, what can they do to look beyond those who just have similar credentials to them. Ask yourself what is truly critical to success in your organization. If you have been upwardly mobile, you have already demonstrated through your experiences a tremendous amount of grit, a tremendous amount of conscientiousness, a tremendous amount of an ability to work with other people because you needed to to get to where you are currently. So if, you, if those things are important to you, Recognize that you need to find proxies in your hiring decisions for what indicates people that already have that. And my argument is that stuff is well demonstrated by looking and seeing an upward trajectory. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we encourage companies to do if they want to try to create uh, climates, try to create cultures that are inclusive for a wide range of people is you probably are going to need to hire more than one or two folks who come from lower social class backgrounds into your elite space. You're probably going to need a bunch of them to share that load. Like just hiring one or two is not likely to cut it. That's too much of a burden for one person to carry. Why is it so hard to talk about class? Talking about class requires us to meaningfully 
and uh, and honestly assess what we can take responsibility and credit for and what we had as an advantage. To some people, it might make them feel guilty, and we don't want to feel guilty very often. For some people, it might feel like a scary responsibility. We don't like feeling scared. We want to try to avoid that. Um, it can feel awkward because we, we, you know, in our society, we don't really want to talk about, so how much money do you make? Where did you go to school? Is that as good as where I went to school? You know, uh, we, we like, that makes us feel weird to talk about these things, but I think we need to start having really frank conversations about it if we want to start making a real change in this and start recognizing what we can do to promote more upward mobility. We started off with a particular statement, which is, you're probably hiring the wrong people. What does that mean? Well, to me, that means, I, I know of very few organizations who don't put a huge premium on having culturally informed and sensitive employees that don't put a huge premium on demonstrated resilience and, and effort, uh, that don't put a huge premium on conscientiousness. If you are filtering out people who have actively through their work history and through their life trajectory demonstrated that they do have those traits. They had to have those traits to be able to make the transitions they've made. Then we're just entering far more risk into a hiring process than we necessarily need to. Thanks, Sean. It's been a pleasure. I'm Sean Carr, and that's it for today's episode of Darden Ideas to Action. We've been speaking with Sean Martin, an expert in leadership, social class, and ethics, and a professor at the University of Virginia Darden School of Business. His latest research addresses how organizations and society import values and beliefs onto leaders and followers, and how those values influence behaviors and experiences. Join us next time for more research, analysis, and commentary from the University of Virginia Darden School of Business. You can subscribe to Ideas to Action on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or listen.darden.virginia.edu. To read more expert insights on this topic and more, visit ideas.darden.virginia.edu.